When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We have a combination of professionals and conscripted uh, people in our forces. And I would say, uh, for the time being, the conscripted are still a minority. But when time, time goes, I mean, that will be the opposite. Welcome to the National Security Podcast. Brought to you by the ANU National Security College. In this episode, Sweden's ambassador to Australia, His Excellency Mr. Pontus Melander, and Latvia's ambassador to Australia, His Excellency Mr. Margas Krams, join Will Stoltz in conversation. They discuss how their countries approach building national resilience in response to a range of complex conventional and hybrid threats. Before we get into it, we'd like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Well, uh, Your Excellencies, thank you so much for for joining me here at the ANU. I was really eager to speak to to both of you because both of your countries um, have had uh, very um, complex and sophisticated suites of policies in terms of building national resilience uh, which also includes a national service scheme. I understand um, in Latvia's case, your policy is typically referred to as uh, comprehensive national defence and in Sweden, uh, typically uh, total defence. And I imagine there's some nuances to each of your nation's approach uh, to these policies. But I might start um, off with you, uh, Ambassador Krams, um, uh, in relation to Latvia's uh, policy of comprehensive national defence, if you could perhaps give our audience um, a bit of a broad description of what the kind of core principles are of Latvia's policy in this regard. Right. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. And uh, yeah, certainly we have this uh, comp- comprehensive uh, uh, defence uh, scheme in Latvia, and so that's already in place. And uh, so it's based on the fact, actually. Uh, that the uh, the threats based as, as always defense uh, schemes are based on threats assessments and the threat assessment tells that the threats are very complex and uh, so what does it mean by being complex so it's definitely not only the conventional threats but also um, a variety of different all kind of different uh, other mm. issues we have to deal with and so here is uh, like examples like um, cyber uh, the, the cyber security or like information space uh, uh, economic coercion and so these are the, the the things which are probably familiar also here in australia but so that that that's just underlining the uh, the complexity of the uh, the point and if there is a com- if if there is a complex uh, complex program problem so that means uh, the answer also should be a complex one. Mm. And uh, it's clear that uh, national defense forces, uh, they can't uh, cope with this uh, or can't, uh, it's probably is not capable of dealing with these uh, threats uh, only alone. So that means uh, it's, uh, it's a bigger question about how the society is prepared or how the state is prepared for that. And uncertainly, then it comes the question about uh, how do we address those and how to how do we make our uh, society more resilient? 
And um, so that's uh, that's basically the, mm. the three parameters. So let's say complexity and and the capability of the forces alone, but also the responsibility of the society to to deal with these threats. Mm. And Pontus, uh, Sweden obviously has the p- policy typically referred to as, as total defence, which sounds um, similarly uh, comprehensive in its in its vision for national resilience. Thank you, and, and thank you for, for giving me this opportunity. We, for the same reasons, uh, we have our total defence as a Latin colleague told, told you. Uh, one big difference is, of course, that we used to have uh, total defence also during the Cold War. Mm. So we're getting back to the total defence. For that very reason, we have a different threat assessment now than we used to have some 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 uh, 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 decades ago. I would say in the 90s, we, we, we made a... a um, revision of of our whole defense systems when when we we had a different uh outlook of the world uh i think uh, that uh change again 2009 i think is the exact year when we went back to this kind notion of 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 we have to to look at at shorter periods of 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 uh uh, warning times and so on, but the total defense bill was tabled just a few years ago. We're going back to something similar with the new kind of threats we're facing now in the 2020s than we had in the 1980s or 70s. Or, or but I think the basic principle is the same: that this is not only for the armed forces to mm. to respond to threats and issues that could could come up during a uh, a situation it's so much wider and 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 it the, the civil defense it 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 affects many other uh, agencies of bodies i would say like uh, governments and municipalities regions business sector and also voluntary organizations in diff- many different sectors like the the um, health sector the the food and uh, water supply, transport, uh, law enforcement, energy supply, and of course, cybersecurity, and so on. So it's it's many different reasons mm. and aspects that are involved now in our total defense um, system. Thank you. But for, for both of you, obviously, each of your nation has to adopt this whole-of-nation whole approach uh, to your defense, but it sounds as though each of your respective policies is still very much focused on preparing for conventional warfare is that is that fair to say mm, yes and no maybe not not only that uh, because uh, i think my colleague from sweden has he already mentioned it, so there's kind of probably two big chapters uh, of uh, of the uh, of the question so to say it's one is this uh, conventional part mm. and the other one is the hybrid one and hybrid by hybrid and and here we are talking on, only about the threats or the actions which are already in place, and if uh, if we are pretty kind of clear on what's going, what's what's happening on the conventional side, uh, and that's of course, then we are talking about the potential potentiality of a war. But on the other side, if we are talking about this uh, hybrid side, so that's already ongoing, mm. um, uh, ongoing actions, so to say, or ongoing uh, measures of influence. And uh, and for that reason, so we need to address those. And we need to address those now and uh, efficiently enough. So and and then, because uh, if we speak about uh, this information space, so those narratives are already there. It's it, it doesn't matter whether it's Latvia, Sweden, Australia, or any other other country. So there, if there is an adversary who wants to influence uh, thinking or even uh, the way how our society reacts, so. 
they are providing those narratives already for each specific society, each specific group in that society. And the same we can say also about the uh, the, the cyberspace, because uh, mm. those cyber attacks, uh, which uh, they are already there, they are already every day, I, I would say. And so the every institution should be prepared, be it a kind of military organization or be it a governmental agency or even being a business agent, a business entity. And... Um, and uh, so these are the, uh, the the questions which have to be addressed already now, but uh, altogether, so it's it's these are kind of two big parts of the uh, this comprehensive approach. But certainly, there is much more about uh, our infrastructure, for example, being ready to act in case of uh, military conflict, and uh, our industry being able to provide uh, supplies. Uh, our hospitals, agencies, and even uh, and, and each individual actually has to know what to do in a, in a case of a situation. What I also would like to mention, so we are talking about some kind of uh, potentiality of a conflict and what uh, might happen then. But there are also kind of natural disasters and being mm. to, to, to make the society more prepared for um, um, contingencies, let's say, so the society is also more prepared for uh, for natural disasters or epidemics like uh, or pandemics, what we witnessed very recently. Mm. I'd like to talk in a moment about um, uh, Latvia's legislation, but before we do, um, Pontus, I'd be interested to know about uh, Sweden's case in terms of um, is there legislation in place that compels private businesses or individuals um, to behave in certain ways in order to contribute to this uh, total defence uh, approach? Particularly, you know, even we're talking things about hybrid warfare and and foreign influence, kind of further down the spectrum. Is there is there ways in which this, the Swedish government is compelling private entities to behave in a different way? There is a, I would say, duty to 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 protect your country. I mean, uh, most of those pieces of the legislation are, I would say, sleeping right now. But they, you could uh, uh, turn the mm. uh, turn the switch. Turn, you could turn the switch in order to make sure that 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 people have to 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 follow those. So I think there is a uh, a a. a Mandatory requirement on, on all people in Sweden to to if the government decides to turn that switch that you you do pro- help assist in protecting the country and then of course it's different for different people different for different uh, uh, businesses what they should uh, could do but it also goes back to that this is a total defense and it's also a duty mm. then to 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 uh, 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 act accordingly but I, I also have to go back to the fact that that uh, the that we discussed before about the the whether this is a uh, just a the risk of a military attack. I would say it's 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 more like the territorial defense. I mean, during uh, the 90s, we actually had a uh, switch for more uh, expeditionary uh, uh, armed forces to to go abroad to to assist in different and various uh, situations when the threat level against Sweden and its neighbors were different. Uh, now we are. It's a total different situation. So we're going back to some kind of territorial defense and not only then with armed forces. But I cannot talk about this 
uh, without mentioning the fact that Sweden has now decided to join NATO, mm, mm, uh, and mm. we are in the process now of joining NATO. We we we, we uh, do like a, a couple of ratifications, and 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 so we will very soon, hopefully, be, be members of, of of the alliance, and that for us is a major step in order to uh, enhance our possibility. Uh, both for us and also for our neighbors within the alliance to defend ourselves. And it's not only about an, an, an a conventional armed attack, but it's also about other ways of, of or other attacks, I should say. Uh, might, might it be on, on, on the cyber side or, or elsewhere? Mm. So um, we've obviously spoken about uh, Sweden's reintroduction. Oh, sorry, Sweden's um, joining of NATO, and and Latvia is going through a similar kind of big moment now with the reintroduction of a national service scheme. I'm wondering, perhaps you could tell us about what that legislative change will require, and perhaps how that uh, public debate is happening in Latvia at the moment. Okay, yeah, it's uh, well, probably for for me to be more or less correct so it's kind of reintroduction of the um, obligatory um, uh, military service but in this case it's uh, it's a new approach in the sense that it's called uh, state uh, defense service which is a broad concept it's yes there is this uh, mandatory part of the military service but there is a possibility to uh, it it is kind of uh, its approach is to have a wider uh, coverage, so to say, or uh, wider um, skills and mm, so uh, not just military, not just military, military yeah. Service, but yeah. probably before going into details, that's so definitely there is a question: uh, what's the reason for us to introduce that? And so this was uh, this was already discussed uh, before the uh, the twenty fourth of February when oh. the invasion happened. And uh, and the reason for that was that uh, while our direct neighbor Russia became already at that time more and more aggressive, and so it was clear that at one point it's going to, uh, Russia is going to erupt in a way so they will uh, kind of intimidate a neighboring country, uh, and that in this case it uh, it happened against uh, they decided to attack uh, Ukraine, and. Um, so it was, uh, and again, based on that uh, situation assessment and the threat assessment, so it was clear that uh, we need more capabilities. Uh, and uh, so, so far we have this uh, professional military service, uh, which is around, um, figure-wise, uh, it's around 6,000 people. And then we have National Guards, which is a voluntary organization that has around uh, uh, around 10,000 uh, people. And then, of course, we have reserves, those who have gone mm. through trainings. And uh, it's, uh, but um, summing up all that together, so uh, we still require a little bit more. And um, and probably I should quote also the, uh, the Swedish Minister of Defense, uh, who said that if we need to upgrade our quality, quantity is also important yeah. in, this, <laughs> in, uh, in, uh, in, in this assessment. And uh, so that's clear. Uh, from one side, the numbers is uh, that's important, but from the other side, it's also coming out from this uh, comprehensive uh, state defense, saying that that the society has to be prepared, and that's why there is uh, this proposal, which uh, is um, um, being discussed in our parliament, and uh, with the aim to adopt it uh, maybe the, by the end of this year or a little bit later. Uh, but uh, to introduce it uh, the middle in the middle of the next year, which would uh, comprise uh, basically four chapters, 
or for the possibilities for uh, people to be um, to be called in into the uh, state defense service. So one is the military, the uh, to to call into the armed forces. The other one is, or to, uh, the other one is uh, this uh, service can be done uh, through the national guards. Mm. So in first case it's eleven months. Second, uh, it's uh, five years, uh, um, kind of on and off. Training. Uh, the third is an option to obtain a, a rank of uh, a reserve lieutenant for those who are uh, who have entered the uh, university, and then uh, just a kind of additional training they would receive during that uh, those studies. They will receive also the, uh, the the military rank of lieutenant and uh, commander of a platoon, and the forces uh, for uh, for those who have this uh, conscious. Uh, so, um, conscientious, conscientious, yes, yeah. Uh, who uh, and then the, they could be uh, offered to uh, to serve in a kind of uh, in different entities, for example, in hospitals, elderly houses, mm. and or in other uh, in other entities, which of uh, the choice of of the state, I would say. Mm. Please. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do perfectly agree uh, that this is both quantities and qualities uh, uh, when it comes to, to to having this kind of conscription system. Uh, quantities is pretty obvious because uh, in, our, in the case of Sweden now, we 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 we, we try then to 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 uh, uh, educate about uh, six to eight thousand a year. Six to eight thousand uh, uh, persons a year, and and, and that means I mean, ten year period, you, you have quite a bigger army, uh, armed forces, I should say. But it is also a, a a a question of public support for protecting the country. I mean, that was I would say the main discussion when we actually took a pause from our uh, conscription system in in some uh, fifteen years ago. We will lose then the support from the public opinion mm. on defending Sweden. When we are in, in such a situation, and 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 uh, I, I I think the jury is still out there whether that that meant anything. But I think that is a very important aspect of of this that you should know that if you are a citizen of of of, of my country, you, you you have this obligation to 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 protect your country. You could either do it by by by, by spending a year at armed forces or. As, as 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 we just heard, uh, you could also, if you have some personal reasons not to, you don't want to want want to want to bear arms. You could do uh, uh, on a civilian side as well, but you are not. You have to do something anyway to to to, to act. And I think I would say that the public support. It's 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 hard to say whether we 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 it's it's not debatable or debated. Mm. But but I think the recent events in our part of the world have sh- have really created much lot more support. For this notion, and I think no one right now is questioning it because it's so close to our uh, both uh, mentally and physically to us that it wasn't uh, a few years ago. So I suppose reflecting on what a national service scheme has done to uh, Sweden's society and culture, I mean, what do you think the impact of national service has been, say, for social cohesion in Sweden? 
I, I think it's important. I mean, I, I, I'm old enough to 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 uh, live through it. I mean, I, I'm born in the 60s. I, I did my military service in in in, in the early 80s, uh, if I remember correctly, and that was a part part of growing up. Actually, in those days, it was it, it was only men. Now it's gender neutral. So I think both all sexes, both sexes, uh, mm. are, are, are are obliged to 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 first do the tests whether you are a fit. For, for, for the armed forces and then actually go through it. So I, I think it's absolutely part of social, social creation. For me, it was a natural thing of growing up. It's, I, I don't want to mean that you grow up in the army, so to say, but, but it, 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 it's part of the system. I mean, you, you, you do that and, 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 and then you go on. Some people stay in the armed forces, some people don't, didn't. Mm. So, so I think it's, 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 it's part of social creation, absolutely. So in Latvia's case, I mean, um, given that the scheme has been reintroduced after after many years of not being in place, mm-hmm. has there been any significant public opposition? And, and what typically are the arguments um, of, uh, from those who are opposing the reintroduction of mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was our uh, mandatory um, uh, Mandatory service was abandoned in 2006. Now it's uh, reintroduced, but as I as I mentioned, this is much broader scheme in this mm. case. Uh, my kind of general feeling is that uh, there is um, kind of wide support of uh, uh, from the publics, but at the same time, when it comes to debates, so there are always debates about the details mm. and uh, and how it's addressed particular uh, particularities for some particular uh, people, but. Uh, Generally speaking, I would say, uh, yes, there is a broad support. And that's what we also saw during our latest elections, because we had our latest elections 1st of October. And so this uh, uh, this concept was put forward for uh, discussions uh, both in the um, in the parliament, but also uh, for the public debates uh, was put forward already before that. And all political parties, there was actually none of the political parties who was against, which was against. Uh, but some question more, some less, and, uh, and that's understandable. And uh, so, of course, um, our society is uh, probably a little bit more diverse mm. uh, by ethnicity. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, again, I, I see that there is there's generally no basic objection. But there are there are discussions about how to do it uh, mm. the, the best. But I probably also have to mention that. Uh, Indifference to, to Sweden, we are still talking about only male being um, conscripted. Interesting. Interesting. We'll be right back. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. In this disrupted world, Australia needs security professionals more than ever. Join the next generation studying at the ANU National Security College. Our programs uniquely fuse academic knowledge with practitioner experience and fit around your lifestyle with study offered online and on campus. Follow the link in the show notes for more information about programs and scholarships. The ANU National Security College. Engaging minds for a secure Australia. 
Um, I'd, I'd be interested to know how important these national service schemes are to your country's concept of deterrence. Obviously, both uh, comparatively small countries to the the largest threat that you face uh, potentially from from Russia. Um, how how much does national uh, the national service schemes really figure in um, making sure that your country appears to be um, a, a target that's just too difficult to attack? In Sweden's case, yeah, example. we have a combination of, of, of professionals and 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 then conscripted conscripted mm. uh, uh, people in our forces, and I would say uh, for the time being, it's the conscripted are still a minority. But in 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 uh, when time time goes, I mean that will be the opposite. So I think it's 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 as we said before. I mean it it is a a combination of quantity and quality, and and uh, you have, we, we will have more people that are well educated and actually can 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 be part of the defense structure of of, of my country. So I think it 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 will get more important in the future than it is, uh, let's say today. Mm. In Latvian case, uh, well, our defense, uh, well, we are part of the member of the uh, of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and certainly our. Security is based on those two pillars. One is our own national capabilities, and the other is, of course, our partnership uh, or our uh, participation in the alliance. And uh, so, as, uh, as as you know, we have already the uh, the the, uh, the troops of the other um, alliance members uh, stationed in in the Baltic countries under this uh, the scheme of enhanced forward presence. And um, so, it's. Uh, and, and certainly for the NATO, there are defense plans already, which are classified, obviously. Mm. And uh, but here we are talking about our own capabilities, and um, and uh, and then it's also the question about if there is something happening. So it's about the timing, and if we are talking about the timing, uh, the, the 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 first reaction should be provided by ourselves. That's for sure. And uh, in order to do that, and again, based on those threats assessments, so uh, that we have come to this conclusion that uh, there is a need to increase the quantity mm, mm. and the quality as well, of course, and also preparedness of the whole society. Uh, with again, as I mentioned, it's so not only for the conventional, but also for natural disasters mm. or pandemics and so on. So it's basically about uh, bringing the level of the resilience uh, to a much higher level for the whole society. And, so you may have noticed that in the Australian context, as we've been um, considering our own national security and defence, there is a recurrent theme of of looking at uh, sovereign capability and, and focusing on being able to to build build certain military capabilities and supplies here in Australia. How much of, uh, for your respective nations, approach to national defence is there a focus on uh, sovereign capability? I mean, obviously, Latvia is already a member of NATO, Sweden will be joining NATO, and you'll be very much having to plug into that larger uh, system. But how important is it you be able to um, build and raise your own military forces and other essential resources from within your country, perhaps Pontus? I, w- I would say, I mean, uh, uh, as a first responder, it's it's for us to 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 do so. But I, I would also look at it in a in a broader sense. I mean, we have had a tradition for 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 having our own defense industry in order to have that kind of resilience uh we have a lot of we, we still produce our own uh, jet fighters we still produce our own submarines we still pr- produce our own cruisers uh we have many uh, um 
we're quite a, I would say, advanced defense industry in our country. That that is 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 of course important for our possibility to 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 act in in, in in such a way and not being dependent on others. Is that part of us being non-aligned for 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 the last two hundred years? It probably is to a large extent, but I, I I don't see it will change due to the fact that we will join NATO. I think we still know, need those capabilities in the future. I think we still need those that that kind of 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 uh, systems also as a member of NATO. So for, for us, yes, absolutely, it has been a a I would say an essential part of our our uh, system when we were not members of NATO. Mm. How about for Latvia? How important is sovereign capability? Well, definitely, we uh, we understand that we are a small country, and uh, probably we can't uh, we can't kind of raise our military industry at the level even as Sweden has, for example. And when, when we are absolutely glad that Sweden and Finland are joining the NATO, and uh, hopefully it's going to be sooner than later because. Uh, if you just look on a the map, then uh, then you understand from uh, from location of our country, the Baltic states, and uh, Latvia in this particular case. Uh, but certainly, it's uh, it is part of the uh, the whole concept of uh, being more resilient and the comprehensive approach. And uh, uh, what is uh, being introduced now that uh, if we are talking about the military procurement, there is a component of uh, of national procurement, for example, that the that that uh, kind of facilitates also the development of our own uh, military industry in one or another form. Uh, but certainly here we have to kind of look in the context of uh, what we can do ourselves and uh, and and in what way we are, so to say, plugging in the whole system of the NATO uh, defense uh, system. And uh, so it's... Uh, it's um, yes, uh, but certainly there are limits. But uh, but certainly we are doing as much as possible in order to be uh, to, to to sort of say upgrade our preparedness mm. in the case of uh, contingency. Another uh, key theme um, I'd be interested to get your reflections on um, from the Australian context is we, we've been speaking quite a lot in Australia about um, strategic warning time. So we um, had a couple of years ago our defence strategic update which said to Australia, you know, we were previously operating on the assumption that we would have approximately kind of 10 years strategic warning time before our uh, geopolitical situation started to deteriorate. Um, and, and now we're saying we don't, we can't really rely on that anymore. It strikes me that for Latvia and Sweden, strategic warning time is, is kind of a luxury that, that your two nations have to be kind of poised to be, to be ready at any, any moment. And part of that readiness is, um, Building a readiness in in the population. I saw. I think it was a couple of years ago. Pontus, uh, Sweden distributed a, a a pamphlet. I think it was called "If Crisis or War Comes," which was about, I guess, impressing upon ordinary Swedes that there there w- would be very little warning time. Uh, that society needed to be to be ready. I mean, how how effective do you think that messaging has been to the wider? Uh, population that there is no warning time. You need to be ready to act at any moment. I think you're very right that that uh, that is something of, of also a novelty to 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 the more modern population of Sweden. I have to say, when I grew up, uh, 
who had phone books. And in the phone book, the first 20 pages was that kind of information uh, if the war comes. Uh, so you, you, you knew that. I mean, you, you grew up with that. And, and, and then we had the 90s and, and, and early 2000s that, that were different. So, so it was a, a situation to, to go back in that kind of, of, of a reality assessment that this could happen, it could happen fast. Uh, we ha- I have to admit, we also had a pause in our strategic readiness time uh, in, in the 90s uh, when we, as I said before, went from a, a more territorial defense system to to, to an expeditionary one, which also had some effects on, on, on our, our readiness. Uh, I think we, we are trying to go back to, to, to or well, I shouldn't go back, but we're, we're, we are now in a different situation where we have to be able to act more swiftly, and we are right now in a situation that, that, that even more so. I mean, we have to, as in all countries, we have we have a different system of, of mm. how alert we have to be mm. in, in a particular situation, and 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 that is uh, something that the government then, of course, with the armed forces, uh, uh, can even further uh, um, make sure that the, the the country is prepared for 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 a situation that that needs. Quite a lot of redness. We are not there right now. I mean, we all know that the NATO has its system when it's come to 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 to, to alertness, and and we will soon be part of that as well. So 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 yes, uh, uh, when this pamphlet was distributed, um, I think it was a few years ago. Some people were reacting to it. I mean, what is this? I mean, are we going to, into new 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 world's order? In those days, I don't think the 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 the, the agency that distributed that pamphlet was aware of how close we were mm. to, to, to such a situation that we are in. Uh, for, for Latvia, Margus, how, how has it been in terms of uh, the effectiveness of messaging to ordinary people to, to, get them, to get them ready? What strategies has your government used? Well, one thing is uh, that, uh, as I mentioned, we are, uh, we are direct neighbors with Russia, and so um, population sees, sees it by mm. itself, so what Russia is doing. And so it was... Uh, I think we were not kind of hiding behind mm. uh, behind anything that uh, we saw that uh, Russia was invading Georgia already 2008. So there was Chechen war. So the way how they oppressed uh, whatever moment there was in Russia itself internally. Then, of course, this invasion in Ukraine 2014 and uh, an annexation, uh, illegal annexation of Crimea and now the war in, in, uh, in Ukraine. So... Uh, Population saw it already by itself, and it was clear that, uh, and by all these messages coming from Kremlin, so it was clear that Russia is going to be more and more aggressive. And, and uh, so there was this uh, this kind of general understanding, so that we are living to a, mm. a dangerous uh, next to a dangerous neighbor. And uh, so actually, we showed as well uh, this kind of uh, crisis uh, pamphlet or. Uh, Basically, it's seventy to two hours. So I, that uh, there are advices what uh, what one should do during those first seventy two hours because uh, the the government said that probably the government institutions won't, won't be able to help, mm. help each particular uh, person. But uh, how uh, how the population reacted? Um, I think there is some kind of uh, this background information, uh, but uh, but certainly there are uh, you know, the preoccupations or worries about why this is uh, in that particular case and whether we are coming much closer to uh, some kind of armed conflict. And uh, uh, but. Uh, but uh, but I think this this again, if you look in the context of uh, those threats and uh, comprehensive defense uh, scheme, and also introduction of the uh, the state defense service, so 
I think just the uh, population is is um, is kind of being mm. in the discussions, being part of that is kind of raising it uh, its awareness as well. So, mm. and uh, if you if you if you ask this question about the uh, the kind of this uh, warning time, whether it's long or short, so we, uh, of course it, for us to talk about ten years period, that yeah. would be <laughs> that would be kind of uh, very very kind of theoretical, I would say. Yeah, yeah various. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> this warning time, of course, is based uh, on on the uh, reports coming from uh, uh, intelligence, and and certainly uh, there is information about uh, the uh, the troops on the other side of the border where they are positioned, and uh, how much is on the Russian border or the Finnish border, or uh, oh, no, the Latvian border on the Finnish border, and and uh, and how 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 much how many or how much of those forces are engaged in Ukraine and. And certainly, when uh, when we analyze the situation, uh, how the troops were kind of massed on the Ukrainian border, we saw that there is a certain time period uh, during which uh, all these moments are taking place. And uh, so, yes, uh, yes, there is some kind of warning period. But at the same time, there uh, there could be something which could be done uh, without any kind of warning. Mm. And mm. so it's, uh, I mean, all these kind of layers of, uh, of uh, different uh, ways of uh, potential influence uh, under different circumstances, different time frames. these are all analyzed and, uh, and, and, and our capabilities are built accordingly, mm. are being so, built, yeah. It is, of course, hard to be a spokesperson of how people in Sweden really think deep down inside about this. But I think it is a quality difference here between how we thought about this prior and 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 after uh, February twenty fourth. Uh, yes, people in Sweden also, of course, uh, analyzed situation after Georgia two thousand eight and Crimea two thousand fourteen. But I think it really hit us much more. Uh, to our heart when 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 uh, uh, the war started and and, uh, and Russia's aggression against the Ukraine in in February this year, so I think it didn't come as a surprise. Uh, I think I suppose for many people they didn't realize the consequences until the war started in in, in February. So I think it is 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 a major uh, difference in mentality now for 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 for, for the citizens of, of Sweden than it was let's say a year ago. And also, I mean, one example of that is actually to see how the polls were with. Uh, relating to to us becoming members of NATO. A year ago, it was pretty even. I mean, one-third in favor of NATO, one-third against, and one-third undecided. When the war started a few weeks afterwards, I think it was it was it was totally opposite or different. I'm, mm. I th- I think we, 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 when when the government sent in their their membership application, I think seven, 70, 80 percent was in favor for us joining NATO. So it was a major shift shift in 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 how we looked upon the world, other threats against us and and also our neighbors. I mean, we of course have different history than 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 Latvia. Uh, so that I think is is part of 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 that. I mean, we 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 were. Uh, and non-aligned for almost 200 years. The last time we were at war was actually more than 200 years ago. And I think that makes a difference when people grow up and, mm. and how they see the world. I think that has really changed now the last half year. It's quite striking to hear about, um, in both your instances, how uh, there is kind of just a general groundswell of public understanding about the threat that's happening. Obviously, both of your countries 
uh, are subject to uh, information operations, information warfare from from Russia and presumably other adversaries as well. Um, I think sometimes we assume uh, a lot more effectiveness of these information operations in actually shaping people's perceptions. I mean, the popular support for both of uh, these hard positions your governments have to take would suggest that disinformation, misinformation, uh, targeting your countries has perhaps not been all that effective. Um, I wonder perhaps if you might speak to the information um, equation here, uh, perhaps Margaret, uh, for from Latvia's point of view. Well, it's uh, yeah. I mentioned that uh, that uh, we are we have a little bit uh, more diverse uh, ethnic contents, let's say, of mm. our society, and, and certainly there are uh, kind of groups of society uh, which are uh, living in slightly different uh, information space, and and uh, and certainly we, when when speaking about the the kind of whole information space, which. Uh, then, uh, then we have to address those differences, of course. And uh, but we also know that uh, those who try to influence uh, thinking of those groups, they also try to target those groups mm. in particular. And and uh, but uh, but again, coming a little bit, uh, becoming a little bit more general in this case. So there is, there are always those narratives which are developed for uh, for Latvia as a state, and narratives which are developed for. For uh, for certain groups of the society, uh, with an aim to in, to influence their behavior, and that's kind of the uh, the, the the basic of uh, of information um, or strategic communication, I would say, and um, and uh, so it's um, so it's uh, it's clear that uh, this uh, this kind of uh, pressure is there, and uh, we have to address that. Of course, there is always. If we are talking about where those uh, pressures come from, then we we see that this is coming from an authoritarian state. Authoritarian state, and we are a democratic country which values these democratic freedoms and uh, uh, freedoms of inf- speech, freedoms of, inf- of of media, and so on. And it's not uh, that easy to address those challenges which are coming from external sources and and which is not like the natural debate mm. which is typical for the for kind of diverse and uh, an open society and uh, and yes this is uh, this is uh, this is challenging uh, but uh, uh, and we can talk about details about that but uh, but certainly it is uh, it is a big debate how to address those challenges in a democratic society you know not and how to balance the the countermeasures against the uh, mm, mm. the the freedoms what we uh, we still value. Mm. Pontus, how about uh, Sweden's experience of dealing with uh, information warfare? I have to say that, that, that uh, I agree uh, perfectly well with what, what was just stated. But I have to say, in Sweden, we have been seen an awareness the last I would say six seven years than we didn't have before. Is is that because we have been more targeted? Probably, but we also see what 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 has happened in Europe, in in various elections, in in in, in various campaigns, and and we learn from that. Uh, uh, nowadays, I mean, I I would say every person reading newspaper are aware of it. Every person listening to 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 a podcast or, or reading a blog is aware of of this kind of 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 of. Uh, this new arena of information warfare. Uh, we have, uh, I would, we haven't reintroduced, but we have, we, we have established a new agency for, uh, psychological defense for that very reason to make sure that we, uh, uh, are 
can understand the impact of, of this kind of behavior and how also we we we, we uh, uh, um, uh, how how, how, we, how we, we reply to the, those kind of incidents. So so I think. Uh, you could a telling example actually. We had a, a proper. We had elections in in, in uh, September this year, and uh, both uh, blocks, both all parties, were very much aware of of, of the possibility of having uh, uh, foreign influence on our national election, and uh, and that was a issue that that everyone recognized, and everyone recognized this is something that is unacceptable, that and we have to handle it, and that is is, is one of the few instances when you really see bipartisan cooperation in the field that this is our elections and that they we, we, they should be clean, uh, should be clean of that kind of of in foreign interference. Mm-hmm. If I may add, yeah, maybe about this, uh, what do we do about that? So certainly, it's uh, it's the uh, if uh, there is general understanding that there there might be influences and that there are there are influences, and uh, so that uh, that uh, we have also um, uh, established for uh, established several institutions. For example, the NATO uh, Center of Excellence on Strategic Communication is located in in Riga, and there are representatives from the NATO countries, but also from non-NATO countries. Still, Sweden is <laughs> Sweden is outside, but there is a representative from Swedish uh, Civil Defense Agency uh, already a long time ago. Since this year, so there is a representative from Australia also uh, starting uh, to work in that uh, center of excellence, uh, and that's on the more mostly on the military, so to say, on the uh, on the NATO side. But uh, but uh, but again. Uh, there's lots of uh, lots of interest about developing uh, our understanding about how these things work and what do we, what can we do about that. And here I'm speaking about universities, uh, which are paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of centers of excellence within academic media in universities, but also some uh, some NGOs. And, and certainly, it is a, it is an issue also uh, for our. Uh, uh, supervisory body, which is monitoring the uh, the media environment uh, inside Latvia, and of course reacting when there is when there are signals that there is uh, there is malicious influence on uh, on uh, in an information space in Latvia. It's a it's been a discussion full of uh, many fascinating insights, and as Australia goes through the process of evaluating our preparedness to to deal with these things as well i hope that the two of you uh sought out for your for your wisdom and advice so that australia can learn the lessons of of your countries but uh thank you so much ex- your excellencies for both of you taking the time uh to share your insights with our audience thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.